Hello and welcome to Let the Bird Fly, a podcast about living freely in a world given back to us. This is Wade here alone in the studio recording uh, as part of our COVID-19 online learning series. On uh, four, that is, Theology 442, History of the Reformations. And today, um, as part of that class, we are discussing what to call the Catholic Reformation. Uh, And even that term, I just had to pick one to use, um, might not be the best term for what happens in the Roman Catholic Church um, around the time of the Protestant Reformations and immediately following. Uh, For this section, I have students read a section from (coughs) uh, O'Malley's, There's Much in a Name. Uh, O'Malley is a a scholar I really enjoy reading. Uh, He writes on the Jesuits and on Trent often. And and there's this this conclusion, too, there's much in a name. Uh, It kind of wraps up the debate that he's engaging uh, in the book that he writes on this debate on early modern Catholicism. And so the students just look at a a small section. And so what I want to do for you students and for people who are listening is just uh, (coughs) explain why I pick this and then hit a few highlights uh, on it. So... Hopefully this will make sense. The brain's a little fried at this point in the day from recording other stuff and um, some other responsibilities that I had, but <coughs> I hope that this will be a, a worthwhile uh, venture. So what O'Malley is doing as he writes this is, is dealing with the question of how does what we call a time period or a movement affect how we view it? Uh, maybe one of the more famous examples we could pull from history is the fact that we call the Middle Ages the the Middle Ages. Now, the Middle Ages um, are called the Middle Ages that, that developed as a pejorative, as a put-down of that time period when the humanists, uh, the Renaissance uh, people, uh, or however you want to, the time of Renaissance, looked at the Middle Ages. They wanted to look back to antiquity. That's how they thought you could have renewal in so many ways, society, culturally, um, religiously as well. And and so they looked back to antiquity, and the Middle Ages were just in the middle of all that. And so they were something that you were going to move past, uh, deeper into the past, to antiquity. And so <coughs> they became just the middle. Um, and med- medievalists will lament sometimes this name that was then, then given. <coughs> and so we can see how that term Middle Ages um, becomes something that already colors how we view that period of time, even though many important things happen in that time period including many wonderful developments like the universities. Um, <coughs> think of the Dark Ages and, and how we, we view that. Um, and so what O'Malley is, is, is going to deal with is what do we call the renewal, reformation, developments that happened within Roman Catholicism, uh, many of them that had their roots in the time before Luther, uh, some of them that happened in response to Luther and the other Protestant reformers. What do we call that? Um, is there a good name for it? What best describes what it was and what best kind of rules out prejudices that would limit um, our understanding of what took place? <coughs> and the big term that's going to come under consideration is, is counter-reformation. And that's a term, uh, counter-reformation, is a term that was given to this period in Roman Catholicism from a Protestant viewpoint, right? 
it looked at what developed. <coughs> it looked at uh, the Jesuits and at Trent and said, this was done to counter Protestantism. Uh, there's, there's much truth in some of this. Um, much of Trent did address Protestantism. Uh, the Jesuits are an interesting case. They came to be used to counter Protestantism. Um, <coughs> but Loyola, his, his roots and his movement had pretty much no roots uh, in Protestant, uh, you know, in an, an attempt to want to counter Protestantism. Um <coughs> they were clearly Catholic renewal. In fact, Loyola probably, um, as he founds his order, had never really engaged with the theology of the Protestant reformers. Um, and yet the Jesuits would start schools and would do missions that would be part of a counter-reformation movement. And so that's a term that can be helpful, but they could also sometimes miss out on um, what were important impulses uh, within the Roman Catholic Church already towards renewal um, and towards reform. Uh, so if we just hit briefly on some of these uh, <coughs> concepts, I think that will be helpful and I don't want to belabor them because the reading is, is pretty straightforward. Um, but just to kind of give you a sense, uh, a couple things that O'Malley says that are helpful as we, as we move on. As he says, they, meaning historians, need to be aware of the lenses that every designation puts over their eyes and realize that those lenses are also blinders. Counter-Reformation Rome, again, is not early modern Rome. Sometimes the former term, sometimes the latter is appropriate, <coughs> even for church and religion. And then he puts forward his final suggestion, which will be early modern Catholicism. So we've talked about counter-reformation, which is an, a helpful term in a lot of ways, uh, but can somewhat hamstring our appreciation for the totality of what was taking place um, if we don't step back a little bit from it. Another term or terms that he'll evaluate here will be Catholic reform, or Catholic Reformation. Um, and these can be uh, helpful terms as well. Um, that this is things that happened within the Catholic Church with Catholic Church uh, roots for reform. <coughs> but even that word reform can somewhat color things. Um, if you're saying there's reform taking place, uh, it kind of takes for granted that there's a lot of problems with that thing that need to be changed. <coughs> now, even the Roman Catholic Church at the time realized there were issues that needed to be addressed, and Trent did this in a number of ways. But what happened wasn't only reform. And so o O'Malley will move on past that to talk further um, about renewal as well. Um, and Catholic renewal is another phrase that can be used. Um, many who are seen as reforming figures within the Roman Catholic Church <coughs> were actually not trying to move beyond Catholicism um, and certainly weren't uh, rejecting their Catholicism as they had inherited it, but were actually going deeper into it. <coughs> um, we're finding in it um, the sources of their piety and devotion uh, and teaching, and so this can be uh, something that's helpful to keep in mind. He's then going to mention Tridentine reform or the Tridentine age, uh, <coughs> meaning that this is the age of Trent um, and identifies Catholic reform and renewal um, with Trent. And this can be helpful um, because it rightly understands that Trent was a 
a towering event, even though it wasn't one uh, one event in one year, right? We remember <coughs> this happened over a large span of time. Um, but it, it can be right in assessing the importance of Trent and things associated with Trent, and we'll talk about that another time. Um, and we have talked about it in a previous session. Uh, but this too can be limita uh, limiting because not everything that developed when it comes to reform or renewal <coughs> was rooted in Trent. In fact, many of the figures important for it didn't participate in Trent or draw their impetus from Trent <coughs> or have their uh, movement uh, or views shaped specifically by Trent. So this can also be limiting. <coughs> uh, he then talks about the confessional age or confessional Catholicism. And these terms can be helpful as well. <coughs> we tend to talk about confessionalization with respect to the Protestant church. So we can talk about confessionalization in Germany, whether that be Lutheran confessionalism or, or Reformed in Switzerland and elsewhere. <coughs> a lot of the work I do deals with confessionalization. Um, <coughs> the idea of, of clarifying doctrine, getting that doctrine sorted out, that teaching, um, and then confessing it, especially over against another group, right? To delineate, to present theological boundaries, um <coughs> doctrinal boundaries, between one group and another. This can be a helpful term. Uh, this is part of what did happen at Trent. This did happen in other ways uh, as well, um, whether it be the, you know, the index of prohibited books or, or other things that uh, <coughs> came out of this. They were meant to delineate uh, what was viewed to be true or faithful Roman Catholicism from error and specifically Protestant error as they saw it. What he suggests though finally is early modern Catholicism. And he says this suggests both change and continuity without pronouncing on which predominates. Um, what he's getting at there is you have both the elements of renewal, continuity, and of change, reform. And the name doesn't say that this age, these movements, were primarily or exclusively one reform <coughs> or the other renewal. Uh, it can capture both uh, change and continuity. Even O'Malley will concede this is an exceedingly broad term. <coughs> Excuse me. And so for that reason, sometimes isn't the most efficient term, um, but he feels it's the most helpful term uh, for big picture capturing what went on. Now, I'm not going to get into all of those things that much more, but what I, what I want you to... Uh, to think about as we look at this conclusion from O'Malley's book, Trent and all that, renaming Catholicism in the early modern era, um, <coughs> is simply this. To think about how our view of history and even our view of our own day is colored by the terms we give to ages or to movements or to developments. Think of even geographically um, when we talk about a region of the world, we talk about, for instance, the Middle East. Well, to whom is it, in whose perspective is it the Middle East? How did that term come about that it was called the, the Middle East? How does that part of the world see itself, how might someone there see itself, as opposed to someone in another part of the world looking at the globe <coughs> who calls that the, the Middle East? Um, Think of a concept like the Midwest in America. Well, what exactly is the Midwest? What do we associate with the Midwest? In what ways does that label uh, serve in a helpful manner? How does it maybe our limit our view of things? And so I think this is helpful uh, 
for understanding things like that, but also for understanding that was w- what was happening in Roman Catholicism at this time was a lot more complicated than it's usually understood, and especially in Protestant circles, and that's one of the circle that we find ourselves here in at the college, at Wisconsin Lutheran College. Um, <coughs> simply lumping it as counter-Reformation can miss much of uh, what actually developed, and this is where Ign- Ignatius Loyola is a, a, a very um, helpful figure, and we talked about him in the reading from, from Lindbergh, um, and that, for instance, his Jesuits are associated with counter-reform, but Protestantism was the further th- furthest thing from his mind um, as he you know, grew deeper into his, his Roman Catholic faith uh, and, and began his order. Uh, this was much more a, a mission of Catholic renewal. Um, and so we don't want to oversimplify things. Um, and he'll talk also then with Trent on how, uh, and we'll talk about that more next time, <coughs> even Trent is a term that gets used and Trent gets credited with and blamed for all sorts of things that sometimes weren't even done or said at Trent, but were just associated with it later. And Dr. Berg has talked about that sometimes with Vatican II as well. So this is a, a short recording, and I wanted to keep it that way because it's a short reading, but hopefully it's a good reason for us to think about um, how what we call things affects how we, we view them, especially when it, when it comes to, to history. And being able to step back from that and realize that people and ages and movements are often much more complex uh, than any single name that we can give it uh, to it. That there's usually much more going on um, than any one you know, label is able to capture. So I will uh, leave that off with that and then we'll work on getting this up so that uh, the class has this. Um, there's going to be one more session on the Catholic Reformation that I'm hoping to do as well. I may do that if with Dr. Berg if he's available. Um, if we do, then it'll probably be we'll record it on Tuesday, so it'll be ready for later in the week. Um, or I may do this myself, uh, depending on how time uh, goes, um, to try to get stuff out sooner. I hope all of you are doing well. Be uploading your notes, students. If you're just a listener, no need to upload your notes. Um, though if you have any questions about anything that we do talk about in these kind of podcast sessions for class, um, do feel free to reach out and ask. <coughs> Once again, that book I'm talking about is Trent and All That, Renaming Catholicism in the Early Modern Era by John W. O'Malley, um, who is a very helpful scholar from a Catholic perspective, a Roman Catholic pers- pers- perspective. And we are just discussing the conclusion from that book, uh, There's Much in a Name. In the meanwhile, everyone stay healthy. Um, keep your sanity as best as you can. Don't go too stir-crazy as you're shut up in your house or or your workplace, wherever you might be. And I pray and hope uh, also uh, that you will let the bird fly.